I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Next Move Group. We are John's Podcast. I'm your host, CEO Chuck Sexton. And we are recording tonight in a really cool place. Uh, we are with one of our clients in Rockford, Illinois. We're with Therese Thill with the Rockford Area Economic Development Council. And I appreciate it because she's hosting us here. We're about to kick off a strategic plan tomorrow. And I asked her, will you come do a podcast with me in the hotel bar? And she decided, yes, I will do that. So thank you so much for doing the podcast with me, Therese. My pleasure. <laughs> um, so first off, this is a really cool facility, and it's something that I've seen a few communities do, but not a lot. You know, Rockford has a history of a manufacturing base. It's on a river. And this building, when I came into it, because you suggested we stay here, it's been recently renovated, and it's an old manufacturing facility. Yes. So what was it before? Oh, boy. So actually, it laid abandoned for about 20 years. It used to be the Zeoc Screw Manufacturing plant. So when you see a lot of the decorations here in the lobby and around the various floors, you see a lot of metalworking. That's the kind of product that they actually used to manufacture here is those metalworking uh, floor castings, uh, various screws. Uh, and so gosh, it was in its heyday around the early 1950s and kind of went down after that. So the city bought the property around 2020 and this rehab started and we've got this beautiful downtown hotel. That, it's awesome. It's gorgeous. And and when we came in, so when you said it was reno- recently renovated, I thought maybe it had been a hotel that renovated itself. But then when I came into it, I said, this is not, this is a reutilized former facility in this downtown that's gorgeous. And we're in this really cool bar in the basement right now. And you can hear there, and, and here's what's great about it. It's, it's a Wednesday night. We're recording this on Wednesday night. You all hear it on Thursday, obviously. But... This place is packed. There's a lot of people here. 
It's lively. People are enjoying the food and the drink and the bar. And I think it's just a really cool venue. It, it adds a lot of flavor to downtown Rockford. Yeah, absolutely. Chad, you and I were chatting a little bit earlier about, A, the importance of a downtown, a vibrant downtown in these small communities. And two, the importance of keeping buildings like this old Zeoc Manufacturing Center and rehabbing them. I really think they keep the character for the community, right? They give cities like Rockford, they don't lose their flavor. They maintain their history and their identity. I think that's great. Yeah, we were going to dinner tonight. We went to Prairie Street Brewing. Yep. Really cool place as well. And it looked like it was in a renovated building that maybe it was used for warehousing on the river. But then, you know, when I was asking some of the guests you had at dinner with us, it's always been a brewery. It's one of the oldest breweries in Illinois history. Yeah, yeah. And so what I love about that facility, when they did the rehab, they added uh, an outdoor deck and dock. And in summertime on Thursday night, you can pull your boat up to the outdoor dock at the outdoor tap room there and have a beer. And it is hot. That's the place to be. <laughs> you know, Rockford has a lot of great industry here. And Collins Aerospace was with us, mm -hmm. which was really cool because, you know, you know, he had just gotten back from the Farnborough Air Show. So we talked a lot about air shows. And I just had... Peter Lingiel from uh, Saffron USA on the podcast. And so we talked a lot about that, but he bragged and bragged about how cool it was for boats to be able to come up to that brewery in the summertime yeah. and just jump out. And there's a dockside bar right down there where you can quickly get a drink and then yeah. go back in your boat and uh, boating, drinking boat or whatever you would call it. So, well, anyway, I want our guests to get to know Teresa a little bit. Um, so if you don't mind, Give us a little bit of background on your career in economic development. Sure. Gosh, I am a career economic developer. Most of my career has been in Michigan. Um, I started out with Oakland County doing export consulting for the Oakland County Economic Development Group. Uh, when that gig ended, I kind of transitioned into business retention work and business attraction work, uh, primarily in Asia and Europe. Gosh, did that for many years and then moved out to Phoenix at the Greater Economic Greater Phoenix Economic Partnership there, did business attraction for a three-county area. Uh, let's see, did was out in Phoenix for about three years, came back to the state of Michigan, again doing business attraction. The opportunity in Grand Rapids, Michigan came up. It's always good to come back home. And I was in Grand Rapids for 10 plus years before this opportunity in Rockford came up. So, like I said, I've been, I've been at it for a long time. <laughs> And delighted to find myself leading the Rockford Area Economic Development Council. Well, I think what's great, and, and this is what, you know, a, a lot of economic developers strive for, is a diversity of experience, mm -hmm. which you've had uh, in your career. And, of course, it helps you in this role in, the, in assisting Rockford and what their goals are. And hopefully, through our process, we can help with that as well. So, you know, one of the things we're here to do is uh, help kick off your strategic planning process. Next Move Group is going to work with you all on your strategic plan. We're doing the vision now strategic plan, but, you know, what is it that you want to see out of this plan? Yeah, you know, Chuck, my primary goal is to get community engagement and refocus the community on economic development work with positive outcomes. So some of the things we've talked about is uh, I'm excited for you to do that community engagement piece. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of interviews scheduled tomorrow. I was delighted to see how quickly your interview schedule piled up. <laughs> It did so fast, I couldn't believe yeah, it. Yeah, within two hours, with less than a week notice, right? We had that filled up, so that was really terrific to see. All right, so we've got you focusing on that, and then also focusing particularly on um, meaningful outputs for, for a community this size based on that community input. 
right? So let's get some measurables. Let's get some deliverables. Let's get some things that we can actually get our teeth into and accomplish. I think that's really awesome. And, and listening to the conversations around the table tonight uh, at dinner, it was about, you know, you all have a lot of great things going on as a community. You've got downtown redevelopment going on. You've got this really cool artist program going on where companies are sponsoring murals on an annual basis to be created in downtown, which was nice because we noticed them coming to dinner. And then Eric talked about how his company sponsors those on an annual. I think that's such a cool thing. And it just adds that flavor to the community. And hearing the folks around the table tonight, those stakeholders talk about the same thing. And I think that's really great that, you know, the stakeholders and you both want to see more measurable, true economic development occurring for this community. I mean, I know from a previous career, Rockford Fasteners, very well. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and, and that's what this community was known for back yep. in the day. And, you know, what do you want to be known for today? And you've talked about the aerospace industry. It's huge right here right now. Yeah, absolutely. So aerospace, advanced manufacturing, it's still our bread and butter. It's still what we're really good at. Um, we've also got some pretty significant assets around logistics and warehousing with our airport, which is consistently one of the fastest growing logistics hubs uh, in the region. You can get in and out of Rockford in about half the time it takes to get in and out of Chicago. And we're within an eight-hour truck drive from 10 of the biggest cities in the Midwest. So we got some assets there. Well, you're not too far from what I call the gateway to the southeast either, which is kind of a cool deal. Um, and it's interesting to be here right now. We're, we're actually building a website for Sterling, Illinois right now, Sterling, uh, Greater Sterling Development Corporation. And, you know, looking at some of their assets and, and what their talking points could be as far as their uh, website is concerned. And Rockford has some similar talking points because of your locations are so close to each other. And, you know, I think one thing that will be good for you all going forward is with the growth in the southeast and that, and that manufacturing market, but also having access to the Midwest, really in the heart of it. Yep. Uh, I think there's, I think there's something there, and that's what we're here for: is to discover what's there through the data and through the discussions and what we're talking about. So, uh, look, I really appreciate the fact that that you all have had us come and do this. I really appreciate the dinner. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool place. Okay, we're going to hold right there for just a second while we take a break and hear from one of our sponsors on the next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make? for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database. Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success. What would you say, let's, let's talk, talk, going back to your career, what's, 
What, what's one of the biggest surprises or, or crazy moments you've had in your economic development career? <laughs> oh, gosh. So I think everybody's got one of those moments when a client representing a really large project calls you and tells you they're bringing 11 people in from out of the country the next day and they need you to organize a bus and... You know that those types of crazy fire drills are always fun. <laughs> um, as far as the projects you've worked in your career, do you have a particular? Let's say, let's talk about foreign direct investment for a second. So, is there a particular country that you've really enjoyed working with those types of projects? That's really a tough question. So, I've always I've done a lot of work in Korea, Japan, and China. And that's always very interesting, just from the cultural perspective. Yeah. It's really nice to dig into those. Um, of course, I've done a lot in Germany and France and the UK, and that's kind of a different perspective. So uh, Germany and Michigan have always had quite a few similarities, right? Mm. Uh, as a matter of fact, for a while, we would pretty actively court the German Mittelstand, the small and medium-sized manufacturers, right, and match what we saw in Michigan. And we saw a lot of... Uh, companies coming there, too, in the automotive uh, sector, in automotive R&D. So, again, very different, very methodical, very precise, uh, very no-nonsense, you know, mm -hmm. which is a lot of fun, too. <laughs> Have you done many trade missions overseas? Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. So, as a matter of fact, I coordinated the first trade mission that uh, Governor Snyder ever took to China. That was pretty exciting. <laughs> Uh, and I did quite a few trade missions back in the uh, my export days, bringing companies along with the county executive over to Europe on a few missions. Yeah. yeah. Is there a particular country you like visiting the most from so, your travels? I have to admit, <laughs> one of my favorite memories is taking uh, Brooks Patterson, who is the Oakland County executive, over to Germany. And we were hosted by Chrysler, who had a headquarters in our county, at the uh, Munich Beer Festival at Oktoberfest. Oh. And so we That's sat. Awesome. Uh, we, we we sat in the big tent, uh, hosted by Chrysler, mm. with the mayor of the city, and had a wonderful time. At the Hofbrau House yep. in Munich. Yep. So I've been to the Hofbrau House, but not during Oktoberfest. Yep. I can't imagine what it's like there. <laughs> That's in crazy. What was cool was uh, I was over there in. Let me try to think of the year twenty. I'm trying to think 2015 maybe. I'm trying to remember which year is 2014, 2015. They won the World Cup. Oh yeah. And. I was scheduled to be in Munich in a couple of nights, but I was in this little bitty town called Einbeck. And I'm sitting there watching the World Cup. Germany wins. And all I can think is, why am I not in a larger town right now where I can watch the revelry occur of Germany winning the World Cup? But what was funny, I was in this bed and breakfast kind of on a hill overlooking Einbeck. And the I could hear and see the party happening in town from where I was. And I wanted to walk down there, but... I also, you know, it was my first night in the yeah. foreign country. I didn't know what to do. You know, I think I was in the country at the same time because I was in a small hotel. I was sleeping. I was not watching the world <laughs> talk. And then hell broke loose. It was insane. Oh, yeah. I, it woke yeah. me up. I was on the second and third floor. And it was like, oh, my God, what's happening? My, and it was like the World Cup victory. <laughs> my son played soccer at the time, so I went and bought like a, a German soccer uh, shirt for him and brought it back and everything. It was really, really cool. I love going to Germany. I just, I don't know what it is about the country. I just really yeah. enjoy the small towns. I enjoy the, the big towns. Uh, but I think one of my favorite projects I've ever worked was a Japanese project. And, and probably because I'm from Kentucky originally. And it always seems like, uh, you know, Japanese business people 
absolutely love bourbon. <laughs> it is their favorite thing See, on the planet. Back to bourbon again, Chuck. <laughs> back to bourbon. It's always about bourbon with Chuck. No, not always. So, in your it, career path, as he sips his bourbon. Yeah, as I sip my bourbon, that's what we're doing. We're sitting in a bar. Of course, I'm going to sip my bourbon. Um, what would you say is one of your most exciting projects you've ever worked as an economic developer? So I've worked with a lot of projects that were really very large um, and some that were really very small. Um, one of the highlights, though, I got to tell you about my economic development career actually was during COVID, the first days of COVID, you all remember the chaos that was. So we had a very strong business retention program. So we knew who the manufacturers in the community were. We had really good ties to our healthcare system. Uh, and we were able to mobilize a fairly small group, including the healthcare system, and they told us what they needed. And we were able to mobilize the manufacturers to say, hey, we need face shields, we need hospital gowns, we need sanitizer. And to see the community come together uh, to uh, shuffle around resources to meet the needs was just fabulous. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. It was you know, hey, it's, it's really, it's why we get into economic development is to have an impact on your community. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about recruitment a lot, but, you know, those sorts of projects and stories and successful operations really come from strong BRNE. You know, working with your community, working with your existing employers and be able to connect them in times that are really crisis times. Yep. And, you know, that's the thing, though. It doesn't have to be a crisis time to get your BRNE connected. You know, if you're waiting for a crisis, you're too late. Yeah, that's right. You know, you think about what we're the well, we're in a crisis right now. You think about the supply chain issues in the U.S. You think about the fact that we may run out of diesel in 15 days or whatever it is. Being able to connect your existing industry together to help, you know, create economies of scale and work together from a shipping perspective or whatever it might be increases your value as an economic developer, increases your value to them and in the community. And, you know, that helps you get more investors if you have, are a public-private or even a private organization. Uh, but it creates that buy-in within the community, I think. Mm -hmm. <coughs> no, I completely. I mean, that's how we show our worth to the community, by making those meaningful connections. Right? And hopefully they'll come out with some sort of tangible output. But to be the, oh, boy, I, I hate to use the... the catchphrase, but to be the trusted advisor, to be the person that somebody says, I don't know what to do with this issue, I'm going to call Therese, man, that's that's why we do BRE, that's why we're out doing all that networking, that's why we're out doing that community outreach. I love that you use trusted advisor, because that's a that's something I use a lot, and I don't think people use that as much anymore. Yeah, they should. <laughs> you, you think about trusted advisors for a business, it's usually their banker, their accountant, and their insurance person. Typically, those three. But why isn't the economic developer a trusted advisor? I mean, that's something that I think, you know, as, as something we've talked about internally as a, as, a, as a firm, is talk about how we can be better trusted advisors for our, say, our site selection clients. So, you know, long term for them, not just for the project phase, but long term, are we a trusted advisor for those site selection companies, the private companies to work with? But at the same time, the economic development practitioner on the local level, when a company's making decisions, does the economic developer have to be at the table every time? No. Neither does the accountant. Neither, not always does the insurance person. But at certain times, 
they need to understand that the economic developer is part of that trusted advisor team. Yep. I think you hit the nail on that. That is awesome that you used that. And yeah. I, I think more economic developers need to consider that part of their role yeah. with existing industry. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, look, uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. We, You're right. It filled up fast. We have meetings from 8 a.m. until 3.30. We're going to do a community <laughs> tour uh, right after we go to your board meeting. Uh, I'm excited about how excited the stakeholders seem to be yeah. to go through this process. Um, is there is there anything more you would like to say to the folks who listen to our podcast on a regular basis? Actually, I want to tell you something about the community and our stakeholders. So I've been here since February, so 10 months. Uh, and I came in for the interview. I drove up the way you did. I came up Main Street. I drove past that big Barbara Coleman building. Everybody's got one of those in the community. It's an old manufacturing facility that's been vacant for 20 years. It's a mess. Drove up through Main Street and saw some uh, quite a few downtown buildings that were boarded up for lease for rent. Uh, and, and things were looking real good. And then I got to tell you, it was November, and the Midwest doesn't show well in November. I got to be honest with you. Uh, and then I went to dinner with a lot of uh, the folks who we had dinner with tonight and talked to the mayor and talked to the economic developments and talked to a lot of our community partners and the enthusiasm that they had for Rockford and the love of their home and thus their desire to make the community a better place. That's what turned me around. Those are the folks that, who filled up those meeting slots within two hours, the folks who came out today. They're young. They've got young kids. They've got other things to do. Most of them are business owners. They're plant managers. You know, the fact that they continue to provide their time, treasure, and expertise to RADAC is that's what keeps me engaged. I think that's awesome. And really, every economic developer should strive to have that support system from their, you know, obviously they're elected officials, but when the private sector business leaders support the way that yours are doing, I, I think that creates an opportunity for success. And, you know, hopefully through this process, we'll help create a roadmap a nice value proposition that Rockford can use going forward. I'm excited to get things started tomorrow. I appreciate you spending some time with me tonight as we kick things off here on the podcast. And, uh, of course, we'll be back again next week for the next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. We'll get another guest to talk about who knows what, maybe some bourbon. Also, <laughs> I want to say real quick before we finish, my bourbon pick of the week. I didn't mention it on the newscast. If you watch the newscast today, this week, uh, you'll notice I talked quite a bit about the problem with John Stewart, which I mentioned on the podcast last week. So if you want to learn more about my thoughts on that, watch the newscast. But I'm going to pick a bourbon that's not from Kentucky. It's from Utah. It's crazy. I know it's crazy. It's heresy. But it's called High West. Give it a try. Thanks. <laughs>